Hey, Spotlighters, Mike Cam here, the coolest guy in title insurance and your host of the Morning Spotlight Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. We have a great guest that I know is going to absolutely blow you away. If you like what you hear, please smash that subscribe button and leave us a review. And remember, when it's time for you to purchase title insurance, there's only one guy you should be calling, and that's me. Check the show notes for my email address. And let's get this train rolling and start the show right now. Hey guys, I'm Priscilla Frederick Loomis, and you're listening to the Morning Spotlight with Mike Hamm. Good morning and welcome to the Morning Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Camp, coming to you as always from the Spotlight Studios here in Morristown, New Jersey. My guest today is a professional track and field athlete, Olympian, entrepreneur, content creator, new podcast host, and fellow New Jersey resident. She competed in the 2016 Rio Games as a high jumper and is training for this year's Olympic Games in Tokyo. She is Priscilla Loomis. Priscilla, welcome. What is going on? What a fabulous intro. Thank you so, so much. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I appreciate the compliment on the intro because I have it down to a T. Like my my 50th episode is posting actually this Thursday and ah. I have practiced that literally, I don't know how many times, at least 50, probably more oh, now okay. because this is, you know, we're recording in advance, but I appreciate yes. it. Oh my gosh. I cannot believe it. Well, Hopefully I'll be that good when I'm on my 50th, but you're killing it. You're crushing it. And I love my intro. So if you need another job, you can always just introduce me wherever <laughs> I go, which would be phenomenal. Yeah. Right. If that's like my ticket to Tokyo to do like some type of Olympic yes. games announcing, I, I mean, I'm, I'm your guy. You could, you could sign yes, me up right just now. Me. Nobody else. No, just yeah, no, me. definitely. Yeah. Right. So okay. <laughs> um, that's yeah, totally cool. So um. <laughs> I know a lot of podcasts start with like the let's get to know you type thing, but yeah. I'm not really going to start like that because I just think that that's boring. Um, but uh, so Tokyo Olympics, you're training yes. for them. Obviously, yes. last year they were supposed to happen. They did not happen. What is that like? Like, how, how do you go? Because every four years you got to compete yeah. in the Olympics and you compete in the 2016 games in Rio. You, uh, I think you placed 28th, right? In the high yes. jump competition, which yes, is like yes. crazy to think that like I'm talking to somebody that's like so good at something like that. Um, I know, yeah. I mean, I know that it's probably like at your level, it's probably, you know, like 28th, like shit, like that's not good like, enough. Yeah, but, but to someone like me that could literally jump over a credit card and that's probably like it, like a credit card laying flat on the ground, that's like a big, a big thing. So a big accomplishment. Uh, yeah. Gosh. So like you're, so you're going through all this training and I, yes. I already know like some of the stuff that I want to talk about as we kind of get through this episode, but you're going through training over like a four year, I would assume span to try to build mm -hmm. up to 2020. And then what's it like for like the rug to kind of get swept out from under you and you can't do that anymore. It sucks. It absolutely sucks. I don't know who's going to tell you that it's all a part of the plan. It blows. It really does. You plan, you do everything that you possibly can. You exhaust all resources, all energy, all finances. And then yes, they say the games are canceled. And the problem is they could never give us any information. We were finding out all the information as everybody else was finding out information. Yeah. And so they had canceled the, or postponed the indoor world championships, which are, 
in the winter, they were indoors. Um, and that was supposed to be in March. And so we kind of all had an inkling, but we just didn't know. And that was the hardest part because as we are all trying to keep that Olympic mentality of, okay, excuse me, the games are going to happen this summer, no matter what, we have to be ready, but the gyms are closed. Well, okay, so now what are we gonna do? We have to find a plan B. And then it makes it very difficult because some athletes, their training centers didn't close down and somewhere like me where everything was shut down, I filled up you know, gallon, empty gallon jugs, went to the beach because I lived down the shore, right. filled them up with sand and I'm lifting them in my living room trying to make sure that I'm, get can, like I can do it compared yeah. to the other people, right? right? So in that aspect, it's a lot, it's a lot to handle. But in that same Olympic mindset, once it happens, you take the moment to take a step back, you can be upset, you can figure it out, get your emotions in check. And then it's time to reboot and refocus and get ready for the next season. And so all throughout the summer, all throughout the fall, I was training and, um, you know, I did my best that I could. I moved to Virginia. My husband took out a loan so I could train in Virginia for four months. Um, and then I came back. And so, you know, it's still up in the air. I mean, they haven't said whether the Olympics are definitely happening, regardless of anything they're pushing like they are. So we all have to kind of get ready and make sure that we're all ready to go. And so, um, it sucks, but we, we've dealt, we deal with so many things, injury, mindset, breakups, marriages, babies, like we go through everything like a normal person. So we had to handle it accordingly as well. Right. And so just for everybody listening, just to clarify, you live in Jersey, but you don't live in Jersey. Yeah. You don't compete for the United States in the Olympics. I do not. Antigua and Barbuda. So how does that, did I say that right? Barbuda? Yeah. You did great. Oh yeah. Most people I got, I will let you know at the Penn Relays, which is a very big track and field event in Philadelphia, they and now I won and they announced Antigua and Barbados. And I was like, really, really? Like that's, that's what you guys think. So yeah, she did a great job. Antigua and Barbados. Honestly, I was on a networking call uh, last week and I was talking about, they were like, oh, the show looks like it's doing great. And I was like, yeah, like I got a lot of cool guests lined up for next week. And I started talking about them and I was talking about you and I was like, well, she lives in Jersey, but she doesn't compete for the United States. She competes for Antigua. First, I thought Antigua was part of the Beach Boys song, like for me, but it's (laughs) not. I thought I got it mixed up with Montego, I think Montego and Antigua. those Those are close. And then when I said Antigua and Barbuda, they were like, oh, you mean Barbados? And I was like, I don't think so. It says Barbuda. And they're like, no, 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 it's Barbados. So it's not that. No, it's not. Those are two different islands, two different countries. But sure, why not? Right. But yes, I represent, yeah, no, I represent Antigua and Barbuda. I have dual citizenship or dual nationality, as some people know it. My father was born and raised in Antigua. And so I'm able to represent Antigua because he is of the first generation. Got it. Is there a reason? Is there? Okay. Yeah. So is there a reason why you compete for them as opposed to the United States? Or is there just kind of like, what's the reason why? So uh, I had went to the 2012 Olympic trials for the U.S. and I came in seventh and I was seated 24th. So you could, you know, in that capacity, you're like, wow, I did a lot better. There was no help for me. Yeah. They didn't seem really interested. They weren't going to send me to, you know, uh, different track meets or anything. And so when the support wasn't there, I realized I was like, oh, I don't really know what I'm going to do. And so I spoke to my mom and she wanted me to represent Antigua. 
or her home country of Dominican Republic. And so I said, you know, it is interesting because at that time I really didn't know I could do that. I thought you had to be born and raised in that country. That's what Um, I thought. Yeah. That's what a lot of people think. And so um, they make it so that, yeah, there are, you know, second generation, you know, people who really could get to know where they come from, their culture and their history. And so for me, I grew up with my mom and I was around my Hispanic family all the time. But the part that I didn't know was my Caribbean family in Antigua and Barbuda. I didn't know that side. I didn't know that part of my genetics at all. And so when I started to do a lot of in like, you know, research in the island, I was, I was in shock. It was a culture shock. And I wanted to really get to know that part of me. And because like you said, a lot of people don't even know Antigua. They don't even know the proper name. And so I really did it as a way to put respect on the island's name, to do something that was bigger than myself. And I felt that if I represented USA, I was just going to be part of the part of the group yeah Yeah, part of that whole thing and so to separate myself and because i've had such a usa name to represent a country that's smaller and is not a first world country it's it there's a lot more of a pride that goes into it and a love that goes into it so since i started representing them in 2014 it's been a roller coaster it's been a culture shock but it's been incredible to be you know, the champion, the national champion, to be the record holder, to be sportswoman of the year, to be able to represent and hold up that flag that most people have never even seen. And to, again, put respect on their name. Right. Awesome. Yeah. I think that's really cool. And it's just something like, I didn't know that that was, like I said before, I didn't know that was a thing that you could do because I don't know if you can notice about me. I am not like an Olympic caliber athlete and athlete. I mean, I played college baseball and the whole kind of thing, but you know, Yeah, I think you look great. I think you you can do whatever you want to. And to be honest, I mean, they're they're putting a lot of things in the Olympics that you would never think of. And they're trying to get a lot of things in the Olympics that I would never think of. So, yeah, never put it never put it past yourself. Right. That was like the winter games, like the U.S. team that was doing the curling. Like those guys look a lot like me. And that was electric, electric. I can't take my eyes off of it. (laughs) When I watch curling, I'm like, ooh, I literally just watched Tetris championships. And that shit is like, I have never been so captivated on a screen in my, like the way they hold it. These guys are so intense. And I was just like, like couldn't look away. So trust and believe you can, you can still be an Olympian. Right. Well, you know, everybody's got their, their dreams, you know, and so like maybe this, I, we were talking about before we got on, I mean, I'm podcasting like, you know, a bat out of hell and just recording episodes like crazy. So maybe that's, maybe that's like my thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely believe it. I give you so much credit because you're kicking ass and I love it. Oh, I I appreciate that. So one of the things that I wanted to ask, and I was listening to you on another show. I don't remember which show, but we don't plug other shows except for yours later. Um, So uh, makes sense. Yeah. If if they don't pay you, you don't talk about it. That's the way it is. Yep. So um, like being an athlete and all that is not necessarily like as you were growing up. So born in Queens, moved to Jersey eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, being an athlete was not necessarily like the first thing, like your first love. Oh my um, God, no. Yeah, so like, but what what I think is so interesting because like you have 
people that reach like that level, whether they play mm -hmm. a professional sport, like major league baseball or the NFL, or they're competing in the Olympics. Like they have to get to like the top of the food chain in their respective fields. Yes. And I feel like that has to be something that just like you are just inundated with, you are immersing yourself in that whole world and like totally powering through. So like, what was the other stuff that you were interested in? And like, at what point do you, what did you say to yourself? Well, I am really good at this. I can jump high. So maybe this is what I should do and, and kind of help me progress in life. Got you. So my first love and passion is entertainment in itself. I love television and I love film. It's what I majored in in college. I love putting smiles on people's faces. I love making people feel something greater than themselves, right? It's like what, every time I watch an Avengers movie, it's like when that music comes on, dun, 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 and everyone's like, yeah! It's like that yeah. kind of feeling, you know? And right. so that was always it. I wanted, I was inspired by, you know, Diana Ross and Selena, um, and obviously growing up, Christina Aguilera and, and Beyonce, these divas, these these powerhouses, that their household names, they inspired me greatly to, to, to go into entertainment. And so um, once I started getting into that field, you realize the ins and outs and the commitment and the dedication and, and you can't drive, it makes it a little bit more difficult. And so my mom put me into uh, track and field and volleyball. And so that's what I really was doing growing up. I was trying to balance going to auditions and track and field and school and, you know, doing all that kinds of stuff. And then when I got to a point where I was going to modeling auditions, they had told me that I had a fat face and I didn't look like everybody else. And so my mom was like, um, we're done. And <laughs> so it was more of just like, I really didn't have a say. It was just, this is what you're going to do. And so um, my mom was a single parent. And so anything that she did, I realized that she was sacrificing for. So I started gravitating more to track and field and, and volleyball. And in high school, I had to make a decision. And, and so um, she couldn't drive me everywhere and we couldn't afford two cars. So I had to make sure that it worked with her schedule. And so I did plays and I got my entertainment outlet that way. And then I did track and field. And it wasn't until my senior year of high school that I went to my guidance counselor's office and he was just like, all right, well, are you going to pay for college? And I was like, mm, I'm going to be a struggling actress and wait tables. And then somebody's going to discover me. I'm going to be the next Beyonce. And that's my life. Yeah. You're welcome. Like I thought I had it. <laughs> You're welcome world. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Duh. And then, you know, he said something that changed my life forever. He was just, cause I asked him, you know, if you need, if I need to go to college, he said, before you even step on campus, you're going to owe $180,000 worth of debt. And I was like, Oh, oh boo boo. My, my, my bank account is not set up that way. So, um, that changed my life. And I said, well, how do I get a scholarship? And he said something else. He said, you know, you're not good enough to get a scholarship where you are right now. And so for me, that was a really big wake up call that I wasn't being pushed to my potential and I wasn't really doing what was necessary. And so I took it very serious from that point on, asked them what I needed to do on the track. The following weekend, you know, I jumped um, my highest in high school, five, nine, and I, you know, won counties, won states, won me to champs, went on to nationals and uh, placed fourth. St. John's was in the stands. They said, hey, we love what you're doing. We love your athleticism. You're a hurdler. You're well-rounded. You're a high jumper. Do you want to come? I said, where are you? He said, New York City. I said, done. And that was really the story. I didn't go through all of these 
choosing of hats and <laughs> yeah, the, the campus visits and the waiting for the email. It was, this is my dream. I'm going to get it done no matter what. And this is how it's going to be. And even though it's not exactly how I planned it, it's in the same direction. So even though my, you know, the GPS rerouted me, I still knew my final destination was going to be starting. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're, and you're happy with that because I feel like sometimes people get like, they feel like they got like their growth stunted on like whatever dream that they had that they were going to be the next Beyonce. I mean, like I, clearly I was like really into being the next Beyonce myself and then yes, decided to yeah. start playing baseball. So, um, you know, was, it happens. Yeah. Was that, <laughs> was that something that just kind of like, uh, was hard for you to kind of, uh, roll with, or was it just something that, you know, it happened and then you just were able to shift your focus and be like, this is, this is what I'm doing. This is what is going to kind of get me to the next level of where I want to go and all that. Got you. It definitely for a moment, I was a little sad because it wasn't what I wanted to do. But um, again, I had a lot of guidance when I was younger from my coach and my mother and my mom was like, you know, you can only do track and field, but so long, but you can act at any age. Right. So use track and field as a way to build your platform so that you're, you become a household name. And then when you switch to acting, people will know who you are. Yeah. There are so many athletes that, you know, go on and make these cameos and stuff like that. And I said, okay, you're right. And my coach, you know, was like, you're going to school for free. This is the cherry on top. Life does not get better. Suck yeah. it up. You're going to go. You're going to go to practice. Like, yeah, it was kind of like good cop, bad cop. So, you know, you feel you just again, it's like that that rerouting of the GPS. Like my dreams don't change. It's just a different way that I was going to get there. So yeah. it was a little a little bit sad. But realizing that I was going to be in New York, I was going to jump over a bar for four years and I was going to pay for everything. I was like, eh, I can't. It's not that bad. That's all right. right. So yeah. you got to look at the good. Got it. I love the whole like rerouting of the GPS type thing because it, you know, you're still, yeah, you're still going to a destination that you want, yes. but you're just taking a different avenue to get there. Well, it is. Um, so because I don't really understand like the process and I'm sure my listeners don't understand the process. So you go okay. to St. John's yes. um, at what point, like from St. John's, you're obviously competing there. Um, do you go from there to being like, let's do like the Olympic level type stuff? Like, how does that, what's that jump like? I will tell you, it, I'm very sure it's very different today. Very, very different. I am right. ancient. I, I graduated in 2011. I am nowhere what they're doing today. I have no idea what the process is today. But in 2011, I, um, well, I was talking to my coach and we were planning for my freshman year that the Olympic trials were going to be something. Like it could be something I could look at. And I said, all right, like we can try and plan for it. So um, I was a fifth year senior and I'm sorry, not a fifth year senior. I graduated and I came back for that one year because I had one season of eligibility left. Yeah. And so I, you know, you, you train, you work as hard as possible. And for me, it wasn't a really crazy thing. Cause I was just like, yeah, I'll try for the Olympics. Why the yeah. hell not? If I right. can, why not? Like, yeah. Right. Show up. Right. Yeah. And so I, qualified there's a qualifying mark that you have to hit for the trials and it was 185 which is a centimeter over six feet so I was jumping like 511 511 511 I was like oh I'm so close so the last possible meet 
I jumped 185 and I qualified for the trials and I was super excited. I enjoyed myself. And again, I was seated like last 24 out of 24. And so when I went there, it was, it was great. I had a great time. I placed seventh and I made finals. And so, you know, not making the team, it was an eye opener, but I was like, I'm not that far away. Right. It yeah. wasn't something that was so crazy. Yeah. And so in 2014, cause the trials were 2012, I took a year off. When I, I thought I was going to work and I hated working. Working's not for me. So I started training again. And then um, I moved to Virginia to work with the team. And that's where I met one of my Antigua and Barbuda former teammates because she's now retired. Um, and she was just like, you know, you can do this. Uh, this is how you do it. This is the process. This is the paperwork. And so working with her and the delegation and the federation in Antigua, I was able to get the dual citizenship, which did take a little while because you have to, there's a whole process that you have to go through before you get it. And so once I switched countries, it was a nosedive. I mean, it was traveling. It was trying to figure out how to travel and train, what to eat, how to hold yourself accountable at every single meet, how not to drink too much. It was like a, a, in immersion in the world. It was like the world level of college yeah. where it's just like, here you go, have fun. You're gonna travel <laughs> the world. We're gonna put you in all these meets. Don't suck. Yeah, and right. so it was a real big shock for me, but it was great. So I started competing all over the world, going to all these meets and then going to world championships and stuff. So then for Antigua and Barbuda, I realized, okay, it's time to buckle down because I'm going to the Olympics. I missed out on one and it sucks. Watching the opening ceremonies from my couch was the worst. Yep. And so now I move forward and I said, okay, this is what I got to do. So I buckled down. I went to nationals. I became again, the national champion and they selected me to represent the country of Antigua and Barbuda in the Olympic games. Turning pro is very different than it, than it is now, but it's a choice. Yeah. You have to figure out what you want. And I wish that they told more athletes this who don't, who choose that they want to, you know, train for the Olympics, but aren't signed. Cause I am not signed. I don't have a Nike sponsorship or Puma or anything. So everything that I do comes out of my pocket. Antigua pays me a small stipend, but if I had to live off their stipend, I would technically be homeless. Yeah. So for me, it's, it is a struggle. It is a grind. So when you're doing this, when you switch to this pro level, it's not the glamorous, oh, you get everything paid for. You still got to work. You still got to grind. You have to figure out a lot along the way. And that's yeah. why I take it as like a positive because I've learned so much. I'm not the person waiting by the phone, waiting for the phone to ring. I'm picking up the damn phone. I'm making these calls, making these contracts happen on my own. Yeah. And so there's different ways to do it, but to choose to be a pro, it's technically just getting paid to, to do track meets and to, you know, when you win or get top three, when you get paid to do it, that's when you're a professional. So I've been doing it since 2014 and it's, it's a crazy road. It really is. Yeah. So a lot of people don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but from college to pro, it's just 
figuring out what you want to do and getting into meets and hopefully working, finding a coach that will work with you and help you and guide you in that retrospect. But there is no, you know, double A or, you know, triple A, there's no, uh, you know, combine that, you know, it's, it's, it goes from, you know, college to trying to make a way, trying to figure it out and hoping that you run the times and you're with a good coach and all that kind of stuff and building the team that you think is necessary. Right. And I, and I love, cause that perfectly segues into what my next question was going to be is yes. the fact that like, you're talking about like jet setting around the, uh, around oh, the yeah. world, like competing in all these different events and just jumping over a bar, which I know that there's more to it than that, but like yes. <laughs> people like the, the, the glamorous lifestyle that I think that people like hear or like yes. at least envision what these like what athletes like you have to kind of like work with so you probably have like you know a top-notch gym with like all the best equipment and a nutritionist and a masseuse and like all these other people that are going to help you kind of get to where you need to go but at like the outset of this episode when you're talking about like how you fill up jugs with like sand and stuff and working out on the beach in wildwood wildwood yeah yeah so yeah. wildwood a lot of beach long beach in wildwood beach. um so <laughs> so uh you know, I think that that is something that I think is just so interesting because I think that like, it's easy. Like we talked about, like, I mean, I just said it like the machine of like, if you're competing with like the U S or whatever, and they probably yes. have like all those people to kind of help you. Um, but then like you take someone like you, that's like competing with all those same other people doing it the way that you need to do it. And like, just to me, like just the sheer level of like commitment and motivation and like drive to be like on the same level as those people that have all those things mm-hmm. is like incredible. So is that something that's kind of like always been you or is that something that you just like, kind of like, you know, eventually realize like, Hey, if I really want this, this is what I need to do to get there. I definitely had the misconception that as soon as I was graduate, I was going to graduate, I would have gotten like a little, a small contract. I would have been taken care of and then, you know, prepped for, this lifestyle. And that's definitely not how it was. I had to move back home. I lived in my mom's basement for years. I had no money because you have to pay the gym. You have to pay your coach. You have to pay a nutritionist. You have to pay for your gear. You have to pay for everything, everything, all your supplements. And so it is not the glamorous life that everyone perceives and thinks that I live. Now, do I come across put together and got my shit together I do because I do have my shit together and I don't ever want to be on social media or be seen as you know the girl who is just crying she's pathetic she has no courage she has no strength and so for me I'm very genuine and I'm very open about the journey because it's very it was very very difficult and so in the last, since, you know, 2014, it's been a really rough roller coaster of a ride. And so I have to pay for everything out of pocket. I've had to take out my husband. I said, take out, I'm going to say me, you're right. He had to take out loans so that I could train with my now coach. Um, and so, um, who's in Virginia. And so everything is a lot more difficult. So I started rather than complaining about it, I had to start my own cleaning business. I love to clean. So I decided, let me do something that will help me. And I'll learn about being an entrepreneur. So I started the company in 2016 and it's been going till this day. And that's been amazing. But 
it is a lot. So I clean four hours in the morning and then I spend four hours training. I live an hour and a half away from everywhere. Um, so it's a lot of travel, a lot of time and a lot of on my body. There's no, it takes a lot to try to find good massage therapists to find good rehab. Cause a lot of it is taking care of my instrument, which is my body. So while everybody knows football players spend millions of dollars on their body. I don't have millions. So you can only imagine what we, what I have to spend and what yeah. I have to travel. And, you know, and so the great thing is that people do know that I don't make a lot of money. So they do cut me breaks and they, they give me their best pricing as possible, but it's still you get to pay for the gym. You pay for supplements, you know, so all these things. And then on top of that, you have to be marketable. You have to make, remain relevant. And so I've gotten into the being, becoming a content creator because that's what, the world is, this is where we are. This is where we're at. So yeah. things of that nature are very difficult. Uh, I've had to start a GoFundMe, which was very, for me, very humbling and very embarrassing. And everyone's like, oh, you shouldn't be embarrassed, blah, 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 blah. But it is, I'm 32. I've been doing this for a while. I was top 30 in the world for my, you know, my event. And yet I still don't have enough money to even save a dollar or two in my savings account or even be able to pay my mortgage. Yeah. So things like this are very difficult, but I, I compare it to some of the pro athletes. They have, what are the things with the claws when they do like uh, excavation work and stuff? Like, like a tractor, uh, yeah, 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 like an excavator. Yeah. So if the person next to me who is signed has an excavator, they gave, they said, use your hand and dig a hole. Right. Yeah. That's what it's like. So for me, rather than complaining, I've just figured out a way of how to dig the hole. Is it harder? Is it more difficult? Is it grueling? Yes. Did I always have this mentality? No. But at a certain point, I was just tired of complaining. I was tired of looking and saying, well, look at what they have. Look, being negative and complaining get you nowhere. It's not helping my positive mindset, my, my work ethic, my courage, my persistence, my resilience, that's, what's going to help me. And I realized that it was going to help me in a greater scheme of things rather than just in track and field. So now I'm a motivational speaker and now I'm an entrepreneur. Now I have a radio show hosting job that kind of fell on my lap and I was able to take because I was working on other things in that area. Yep. Now I have a nonprofit, you know, now I'm married, now I'm doing all these things. And so I'm able to use these talents and these gifts in a better way, not in just track and field. So did I have the easiest road? No. Do I have the easiest road? No. Am I still unsigned? Yes. But am I going to complain about it? Hell no, because all of these things have made me so much stronger and so much wiser. So now I'm able to create, create opportunities for myself rather than complain about it. And so the go people have helped me. You're right. The GoFundMe has helped me so much. And rather than having Nike or Puma as a sponsor, I have 500 other people in all over the country, all over the world supporting me, which is so cool because yeah. everybody's now had a hand in the sneakers that I wear, the socks that I wear, the supplements that I take, the rehab, they've all helped me get here. And it is, it's a group effort. So as much as it's been very, very grueling. I'm very, very grateful for the gems that I've been blessed with. Right. I think that's, I mean, that answer just blew me away. We probably just stopped the episode <laughs> right there, but 
I got a, I got time to fill. So, um, so, uh, just kidding, but, uh, just talk to me real quick about like the 2016 games, because like, it was that like the pinnacle of your like career up to that point? Um, or were there other things, you know, that you kind of like maybe accomplished that were like more important, but I'm just curious because like for me in, in my mind as not an Olympian, like that would be like the tops. Like even if I placed, even if I placed 28th or if I placed last, I mean, I still made it to the Olympics and that's something that nobody can take away from me ever. So was that like the peak? Like talk to me about that experience. The Olympics was a lot bigger than most people will realize. And obviously if you win a medal, they usually do, you know, the 30 for 30, they do the behind the scenes and all that they've overcome and all this. But there's so many athletes in the village that have overcome so much more than you've ever understood just to be there. And so for me, I had worked so hard. Like I said, I swallowed my pride. I moved back home. I was broke. I was doing everything possible to make it happen. And I then, I was at the peak of my career in the indoor season. I was coming off of outdoor world championships. I was at indoor world championships in March and I pulled my hamstring at the world championships. And that's when my agent was there to meet me for the first time. You know, he had Adidas lined up to meet me for a partnership. I was crushing it in practice. And so to pull my hamstring before I even get to compete, was devastating. And so I went from such a high to such a low and I just never had been injured. So I didn't know what to do. And so the Olympics meant so much more to me because I figured out how much of a badass I am and how much of this warrior spirit that I have that I could tear a ligament in my body, make sure it's healed, do everything possible and come back and jump. And that's actually when I first won my first pen relays. It's my first Olympics when right before I pulled my hamstring. So it meant so much more. The Olympics represented the first time that a female field eventer for my country was there. That's huge for me. So be paving the way to be the first is always something that's super humbling and amazing. Um, To go viral for my purple hair, which is just my personality, which is just me being me, to know that people love me for that, to be so excited about the journey. There was there were a lot of things that were happening inside the village with my, you know, my federation uh, because they really didn't know how to handle me. They didn't know I'm a bubbly, outgoing, talkative, nails, purple hair, you know, that's just me, and they're not used to that. So them trying to kind of put me in a little bubble was there was a lot of friction. So there were some good days and there were some bad days. So there was a lot of things happening. um, And that was the beginning of the end of the relationship that I had with my coach at the time. So who I was working with for over 10 years. So all of these things are happening. So in that retrospect, yes, the Olympics was that moment where I said, no matter what, at the end of the day, I'm going to be great. I, I, I'm going to open doors for myself. I'm going to do this. I am made for more. So the Olympics were a bigger deal emotionally than they were like, as like a, as an athlete, it meant so much more. And it was such a deeper meaning than just the athleticism of it all. 
Yeah. And to know that so many people watched me, cheered for me. And again, in that same, in that same talk, there were so many people that talked about how, when the bar fell at my last jump, how I reacted, that was meant so much because I was becoming this role model for younger athletes. And so my husband's father is super hard on his kids when it comes to, he has an eight-year-old and he's at baseball and he is ripping them. If he misses or does something wrong, I'm like, good job, honey. He's like, he didn't do a good job. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. So for me, I, I celebrate trying. I celebrate yeah. effort. I celebrate the journey. And so being able to be there and to represent my country, it was, it was all amazing. And so it was, it was it definitely was one of the peaks of my life. Yeah. Getting married was the best moment of my life. Cause that's all that was in an inner, my dream is to be in entertainment. And my personal dream was to find somebody that I could be happy with every day that would love me and we could be in a very good marriage. I've always wanted a good marriage. My mom was a single mother. So marriage was very important to me. So the Olympics were there, not going to lie, even though I'll bring my husband in and he can tell you what he said in the news about his first football game win, but um, comparing it to being better than our wedding day. (laughs) Yes, I was. Can you put on the light, babe? I'm sorry. The sun is setting. Thank you. But yeah, so that, I mean, the Olympics were huge for me, but it was more of an, an emotional journey. Um, but yeah, they were great. I'm not yeah. going to lie. Freaking Got awesome. it. Got it. Awesome. Yeah. So um, then I, I do want to fast forward back to uh, the last year um, yes. because with the, we talked about at the outset of this episode about like COVID, you know, putting a hold on the Tokyo games. Yes. Uh, also COVID, you know, had a big impact on you over the last yes. you know, few months too. So talk to us about that. So on January 17th, I tested positive for COVID and it's kind of like when I pulled my hamstring, it was like the lowest point of my life. Yeah. I thought I was at the lowest point of my life when I pulled my hamstring now to come and realize that, no, this is, this is actually the lowest I've ever been in my life was the lowest I ever been because no one knew. No one knew what to tell me. No one knew what was going on. And so having COVID, and it affects everybody differently. And that's what they were really scared of. And so I got it. And I was first in fear of the people that I was around. I was like, how did I get it? Who was I around? Did I put people in jeopardy? I can't believe this. My entire indoor season I knew had come to a close. And so all that work, all that money that I had put in, all that investment, everything that I did, um, kind of went out the window. And so, um, I guess about what is today, March 2nd. So I'm going to say four weeks ago, three, four weeks ago. Um, I, you know, I was cleared to go back into life and do what I usually do. And I kept on having chest pains and I've had chest pains and I was like, well, maybe it'll go away through COVID you know, it's whatever. And I just wouldn't, it wouldn't go away. So after about a month and a half, I went to the hospital and I got tests. I got an EKG. Uh, It was, I got a chest film. I mean, I had so many different procedures done on me and everything came back negative. And to most people, they'd be like, well, that's great. And to me, I was more terrified because I'm like, then what is it? Yeah. 
what's happening? Like, right. What's what wrong is going with me, on? Then. Yes. What is yeah, wrong? At, with at me? least if they they found something, they'd be like, okay, be like, this okay. is how we fix it. Yeah. Right. Yes, yeah. Exactly. No, everything's fine. And so, and of course, again, like people don't understand. Just because I call a doctor and I'm like, hi, I'm a professional athlete. I'm an Olympian. <laughs> I really need to see a cardiologist because I'm training for the games. Literally, the receptionist was like, okay, I'll see what I can do. This is like February 12th, February 13th, around like right my birthday. She was like, the earliest I can get you in is March 8th. And what am I going to do? Say no? Yeah. Like, right. that, I'm bougie? No. So I had to take it. And so it was just like such a slap in the face. My doctor really can't tell me anything. He's a chiropractor and he studied like virology and all these kinds of things. But he's like, I can't tell you legally like what to do, what to take. And uh, my coach has no idea. So I'm kind of just by myself in the dark trying to figure this out on my own. And uh, my publicist, you know, had said, you know, I want to, do you want to tell your story? And I was like, I need to, because I need people to take this seriously. I need people to realize that, yes, it's, the, it's like the flu, but it'll kick your ass whether you're in shape or not in shape. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And so when I shared my story, story on NewJersey.com, um, a former uh, high jumper who knew me reached out because she's now a director and she goes, Hey, my mom is a nurse. Maybe she can get you in to see a, a cardiologist sooner. And by the end of the week, I had an appointment. So I'm glad I told my story because I was able to see it, but we are still in this phase. I'm still not hundred percent training, which is killing me. We're under 150 days to the opening ceremonies. I still have not qualified for the games and I fully intended to this indoor season. Yeah. So everything's pushed back. And so, you know, it's another obstacle. It's another hurdle, but I'll get through it. And so I tell everybody this and I'm, I hate to be a bad role model, but I'll do whatever is necessary to get to the games. I don't care if I put myself in jeopardy. I have trained too hard and too long to give up now. And so Right now, I'm still working with the doctor. I have to get blood work tomorrow. I have to get an echo, which I don't even know what that is. And I have to wear like this heart rate monitor uh, for a couple of weeks. And I there's no chance that I will be cleared 100% before next week. There's just yeah. no way. Right. So it's really scary. It's, it's, it's up in the air. I was even, you know, before I even saw the cardiologist, I was in so much pain that I was like, wow. What if I have to retire? What if this is, that was it? What if all of this, all of this work and I have to, I'm forced to retire. So all these kinds of things are really scary because I wasn't sure if I was putting myself in danger. You don't really know what your body's going through. And if all my tests are coming back fine, then what is wrong? Yeah. And so when I met with the cardiologist, he said that I had, um, what do I have? Babe. I forget what it's called, but it's the inflammation of the lungs, the lung lining. Okay. And so, and all these, again, I'm meeting with the doctor virtually. And so I'm trying to slowly, but surely start training, but my coach can't really say anything legally because she can't say, well, let's start doing this because it could put me in jeopardy. Yeah. No doctor wants to clear me hundred percent because they don't want to be liable. So I'm pretty much just in the dark right now until my chest pain goes away, which it still hasn't. So I'm, I'm being as positive as possible. Um, the doctor cleared me for 30%. So I'm doing core. I'm going through the motions. I'm riding the bike. 
I'm doing everything I possibly can to stay in a little bit of shape so that this outdoor season, I am ready to roll and I'm ready to rock. And I truly believe everything happens for a reason. So I think maybe my body needed rest because I don't rest. I don't, I don't ever rest or take it easy. So I think my body was kind of just like, calm the F down and chill and sit on your couch. So that's what I'm going to do. And so I'm taking it day by day. Again, I am very overly optimistic. I'm, I'm positive. Everything happens for a reason and everything will be, everything will be good. So like from my vantage point and like just hearing this whole story, like, so you have, you know, the cleaning business. So basically like you're, you're cleaning like, you know, I've heard you say on other things and in articles, like scrubbing toilets for four hours in the morning, then training, then going through all this other stuff just to be able to have the chance to compete at the games. And then like every, I mean, just seemingly at every turn, there's like different twists and like, it's like a story and it's just like plot twist after plot twist. That's just like, Oh my God. Like, how is she still dealing with this? I am a real life novella. Yeah. Spanish novella. I really am. That's exactly. It just never ends. Never ends. Yeah, right. And um, was there ever, I'm sure there has been, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not gonna say I'm sure there has been. Has there ever been moments where you're just like this? I I just can't do this anymore. Like, I just need to like, just kind of like take a step back, shut it down and just kind of like live like a, like, I'm gonna put it in air quotes for people listening, like a normal person. Yes. 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 There have been so many moments where I'm like, I want to be a muggle. Let me be a muggle. And for those people who don't know, a muggle is a regular person, according to Harry Potter. So I have definitely wanted to. And the thing I knew it was wrong. So I was like, I just want to quit. And that's not like me. And that's not what it's about. Um, This time around, I definitely thought to myself, I'm happy, I'm married, I've fulfilled every dream and track that I wanted to. I've been to every major championship. I've competed at the Olympics. I will always be an Olympian. So yeah, I think I I can be done. But there have definitely been moments where I'm just like, I quit, this shit sucks. I don't have any more energy. I'm tired of being broke. I'm tired of dealing with this. Like, it was just like these little things, but what what I realized was that no matter where I'm at, no matter what I'm doing, it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be like this Holy grail. There's always going to be something that I have to push through or get around or learn, learn from. And so, yes, there have been hundreds. I feel like moments where I'm just like, this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of warming up. I'm tired of core. I miss donuts. Excuse me. I miss, uh, I miss food. It's really food that I miss. I miss my rosé. I miss rosé so much. So there's, yeah, there's always moments where I'm just like, I'm just over this. And like a lot of it, it's more of like pain, you know, but I have to persevere through the pain and that's what I've done. So after this Olympics, I, I should retire. I definitely am planning on it. So it's, it's almost there. And that's also why I didn't want to retire or like because of COVID because it's my last one. Yeah. It's pushed through, you know? Right. So, but yeah, I don't really care what anybody says. Yes. There's always moments where you're like, this blows, I'm done. Yeah. 
Right. Not not everyone. Anybody that says that they're just like constantly motivated and they're like high on life and happy all the time, like they're full of it. You know, I mean, not that I don't I don't not that I don't think that you can be happy and all that kind of stuff. But it's such you're allowed to be. But yeah, it's such a fluid thing. Like you can't I don't think you could be happy every single day. I just don't think that's realistic because, you know, it's you got to really cherish those days that you are and know that the bad days are just yeah, they could be just a happy day. So that's it. Uh, that's my husband. Yeah. That's my husband for you right there. Like for me, I would be like, like I'm, a, I allow myself like bad moments, not yeah. bad days. So I can have like bad moments that last like four hours. Yeah, it's fine. But right. I yeah. won't allow, like he doesn't allow me to, to like, to have a self, like a pity party for myself for longer than like a couple minutes. Yeah. He's just like, no, we're done. That's it. <laughs> and like, he'll be super annoying where I, I forget why I was upset. And now I'm just so like irritated by him. And then he'll make me laugh and like, we're good to go. Right. But yeah, I mean, the, you, you, you learn through the pain you learn and you grow from failure. And so for me, it's, it's, it's all been a learning curve, I guess, this whole life of mine so yeah, far. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so I have like two more questions before we're going to get into our closing segment. So I know we all have right. like soft, hard stop at a certain time, but we're going to get done before that. I promise. Um, good. so, um, one article, and you talk about like the retirement, one article that I read, and it might have been from August of last year uh, okay. about like how you wanted to compete in the winter games with like, the, yes. it was like the one woman bobsled thing. The one woman bobsled. Is that still something that's like on the table or is that something that you just were like, that was, you know, an idea. Maybe I don't want to do that anymore. It was an idea. It was something that I really want to do. It's still something that I really want to do in order to I reached out to um, Kaylee and Lolo Jones and I asked them a thousand questions. Like, how do I get started? I want to be able to do this. And they gave me such great insight. They connected me with people. And the biggest thing was I had to create a federation in my country because we don't have one. And doing that from another country during COVID is nearly impossible. I will tell you. And right. so is it still on the table? I don't know because they're the way that their races are is it's a qualification and you move up and you move up and you have to have at least 10 races before the championships and all this kind of stuff. And that's all happening like now and it like already happened. So, and that's why I was, I wanted to do it right after the Olympics because then it would have been a perfect timing. I would have been done track and I can move towards, uh, the Winter Olympics, but is it still on the table? Hell yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll do whatever I can. Absolutely. But if I'm realistic, I live in a one plus one equals unicorns kind of world. So realistically, could it happen? Yes, but it'll be an intense and immense amount of work right. and time and dedication. And with my other three, four businesses, I don't know if I can do it all, but do I want to? Absolutely. I am yeah. so ready. I would love to do the Winter Olympics. Yeah. And I, I think I mentioned to this to you when I reached out to have you on the show, like one of our first 10 guests was Devin Harris, who competed yes. with the first ever Jamaican bobsled team that they made cool runnings about. Yeah. Um, and he is like, I mean, awesome. And like awesome. three-time Olympian, the whole thing. And just like yeah. a whole message. I, I digress. But um <laughs> So, uh, all right, let's talk about the podcast because I did want to get to that. So we, the morning spotlight will post its 50th episode, March 4th. So today's the second, but in your prime, 
in our prime, in our prime, in our prime. posted your first episode this week. Right? Yes. Monday, um, yesterday. Yeah, yesterday, yeah, yesterday, March 1st. Yeah. So uh, tell us what it's about, because I know you're doing a ton of content creation on, I see the stuff on Instagram and, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But um, what was the, the rationale behind doing the podcast? Why? And you know, what is the whole point of the show? So the whole purpose of the show is talking about my husband and I feel like every other day we go back and forth on whether we're in our prime of life or we already hit it. It's gone. It's dead. We'll never (laughs) see it again. And so we love marriage. We love adulthood and we're learning along the way. And so it's kind of like our own little handbook of things that we talk about, debates that we have little topics that every single person goes through talking about living in the prime of your life. Do you feel like you're in it or do you feel like it's past or do you think you're getting to it? And so we talk to different guests about everything and anything, but we always talk about if they're in their prime of life, do they feel like it? And so far our guests have been so shocked by the question even though I give them the prep of it. <laughs> so I feel like they don't think we're going to get to it, but they've been super honest about it. It's, and it's crazy to see other people's point of views and, per, and per, uh, perception about it. So in the beginning of the show, it's just my husband and I, we talk, we chill. We talk about uh, our first episode. We talk about ratings. I rated myself a seven. He thinks he's a seven. I think he's a nine. He thinks I'm a nine. And so we just talk about Is it weird that we rated each other? You know, we talked about Mr. Potato Head and this whole debacle. You know, we talked, we talk about everything. He thinks that Friends is an overrated show and it was only made because of the guests that appeared. And I think it's absolute crap. Uh, I, we talk about why men are so disorganized and women are so organized. We talk about why, you know, anything, literally anything and everything. And then we talk to our guests and try to make it a little bit more of a conversation and an interview, but we loved it. It was the hardest, hardest freaking thing. I, I know what I have to do when I train. I know I have to wake up and I have to eat right. I know I got to train a certain way, warm up, cool down. This is a whole nother beast that I wasn't prepared for. And it's insane. So I give you so much kudos for what you're doing because mic and the, the the mixer and sound quality and the podcast hosting site Ugh. oh my i just wanted to talk to people yeah, i wanted right. to talk about my marriage and now i'm like oh my god but yeah so that's our little in our prime it's amazing honey do you want to come say hello and be see you can see our other our other co-hosts what are you doing you have a shirt on. Sorry, this is our real life. This is like what yeah. I, I eventually would love to. If reality shows didn't kill marriages, I would definitely have them. I would definitely have a reality show. <laughs> we we just it. love real, authentic conversations, and it doesn't get more real, authentic than this. Yeah, I, this is it. Yeah, Welcome this is it. <laughs> this is a great filler for us. There our, we go. This is my husband Ken. What's up, Ken? How you doing, doing, man? Mike. I'm good. And these are, nice yeah, we are the hosts of our in our prime. So I don't know why I got comfortable. I just wanted you to pop your head in and be out. Oh, did you change? Did you change shirts to put that football shirt on because that was like the highlight of your life? Um, you- this is where I coach, and I had like a sun's out, guns out because my Caribbean blood wife here likes to keep the house on like a billion degrees. <laughs> it's so, a normal so temperature. So What's sweating. normal temperature? What's normal temperature? Okay, so for me, normal temperature in the winter is 70. No way. I'd be sweating. Personally. Thank you. 
Yeah. Well, this this must be a white people thing because I don't have the time for it. I really don't. Yeah. He has it at sixty degrees. Like I am sixty. Yes. You guys got a ten degree difference. I was gonna say like the constant war, like the dad don't touch the thermostat. That's us all the time. It's ridiculous. Like I'm being so serious. I am in socks. I have a heated blanket, uh, sweatpants, and a long sleeve. And he's literally he'll he'll change back into this cutoff, and he's in shorts. This is our marriage. This is our yeah. life. But this awesome. is the podcast. Right. You know, um, somebody actually, I asked my friend for feedback on the first episode. It was really rough. It was a lot having done it. She was just like, oh, you maybe you should edit these parts out and this out. And I was just like, no, nah, we're keeping them. Yeah. We're not. I, I want to keep them. I was like, this is it. This is this is our real life. And for me, to be honest, I'm not a producer. I'm not, I'm not a behind the scenes person. And so this is us trying to figure out our way. So we're very authentic. We're very real. And um, we love that we are very genuine with people. Yeah. So we pride ourselves in. Absolutely. Because that's what it is, right? So the more authentic you are, the more people you're probably going to, that yeah. story is going to actually resonate with the exactly. faker, We're not ESPN. The faker you are. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's going to listen. Yeah. Right. So exactly. I totally agree with that. Awesome. Yeah. But so right, that's, thanks. that's cool. I wish you yep. luck with the show. Thank uh, you. Okay. Go my lovely nine of a wife here. Go ahead. <laughs> Lord. Oh, so yeah, he won't, he doesn't really like to say it, but he coaches at Wildwood high school and he's the head football coach and awesome. they haven't had a win in how many years? Seven. Seven years. And he got his first win as the head coach this past season. And when he was interviewed, he was like, it's like my wedding day and having your first kid all in one. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, but that's big for the you know town of Wildwood. It's it's bigger than football for sure. <laughs> I'm not- I still stand by that statement. <laughs> oh my God. I will. We'll talk about this later. Yeah, we'll right. talk about it all yeah, there. That's like an after hours <laughs> type show. Um, all right. So let's move the show because I know, you know, we're kind of getting close to the end here. Um, let's move the show into the closing segment, which we call under the spotlight because this is the morning spotlight. Um, so <clears throat> the spotlighters have listened to Mike Ham and Priscilla Loomis talk for almost an hour. I mean, we've been out here for almost an hour um, talking about Sorry. a lot. No, no, no. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, this is great. This is why, I mean, everything that I thought this episode was going to be just got totally blown out of the water and it was much better. Um, so we, I mean, it's way better than I thought we were ever going to do. And I think that's, you know, all the guests, it's not me. It's just the guests. So, um, under the spotlight. So it may be something that we've already talked about. Maybe it's something that we haven't touched on that you think is really important. Um, mm. But for the spotlighters, which is what I call the morning spotlight listeners, um, what is one thing you want them to walk away from this episode with? I hope that all of your spotlighters understand one that all, not all professional athletes have Usain Bolt or Michael Phelps money or even Serena. We work very, very hard and we persevere through all of the pain. But one thing that I hope that you get from just from me and my 
story is to always believe in yourself and to go after exactly what you want. The route may not look exactly how you planned it, but you are able to still make your destination with whatever you've been given at the time. So believe in yourself, fight for what you want, have that warrior spirit, like never self-doubt yourself, give yourself all the courage in the world because you are a badass, you are a warrior and you can claim everything that you want. Awesome. Love that. Great stuff. Um, so for everybody listening also, like if they want more Priscilla Loomis, I'm going to try to put the links in the show notes. Um, yeah. but what are some places that you want them to go to Instagram website, whatever. So I got married. My former name was Priscilla Frederick, but my new name is Priscilla Loomis. So I'm sorry that with all the confusion, but if you Google me, you can Google Priscilla Loomis or Priscilla Frederick and I'll still come up. The big key to make sure that you look for is purple hair. Purple hair means you got the right place. So on Instagram, you can go Priscilla underscore Frederick, purple hair there, blue check. Yes. TikTok, Priscilla Loomis, purple hair. Yes. Check. You can go on my Facebook, Priscilla Frederick or Priscilla Frederick Loomis, either one, it'll pop up regardless. And I have purple hair there. And then PriscillaLoomis.com. And that's it. I don't want y'all to check out my, I mean, y'all can check out my TikTok, but I'm an old woman in a young man's game. Just going (laughs) to say it out there, right there, right now. But yeah, that's it. And then you can find all the links to my YouTube and my podcast and everything. Um, you guys will get a link to every show that I'm doing and all the features that I've done and yeah, follow along the crazy and wild journey to Tokyo. Awesome. Love it. So this has been absolutely off the charts. So, um, good luck with the games this year. I hope everything goes well with the doctors and the, you know, everything with that. Um, and then let me know when we're leaving for Tokyo and then I'll do the intro for that for you. Okay. I'm going to need two drafts. Two drafts. Two, just want to yeah, let you well, know. Listen, you tell me what you want me to say, and I'll say it. That's totally. That's totally. I got fine. you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. Um, or I could do it. I mean, I tend to think of myself as somewhat of a professional, but that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, uh, good luck. And then this summer, when all the bennies come down to the shore, when we yep. go down to Wildwood, we'll get the rosé. Like you know, me and Ish and you guys. So hard. Yeah. So hard. Yeah. Rosé so hard all day. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. All right. And then we can combine our shows. Yeah, right. We'll do a, you know, I'll come in. We'll do like a joint crossover. show. It'll be, it'll be awesome. We'll crossover show. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That, that'd be a lot of fun. So um, thank you again thank uh, for everybody you. listening. Make sure you check out the website. Reach out to me if you need to reach out. Um, and I, again, I'll put all Priscilla's contact stuff, links, all that in the show notes. Um, and all the spotlighters, thanks for listening. And we will catch you next time. Bye, guys. I want to tell you about Fat Brother Soap. You know, way back in the day, and I'm talking caveman days, humans used to bathe under roaring waterfalls under the clear blue sky. Now many of us are stuck in a tiny shower in an overcrowded city, and the guys over at Fat Brother Soap have had about enough. Carefully selected by the Fat Brother himself, these soaps contain all-natural ingredients like sunflower, coconut, lemon, and more. Remember, it is never too late to leave boring, mediocre body washes that are filled with chemicals behind and get back in touch with your inner caveman. Go to fatbrothersoap.com to learn more and join the Fat Brother family.
Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Just a reminder that any views expressed in the morning spotlight are the views of the speaker and should not be construed to be the views of any other person, any employer, or any organization. Thank you. We'll see you next week.